With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. All right, here we go, straight into Vegas. Steve Cofield alongside R.J. Bell. And tonight in the Wise Guy Chair, we got two of them. Brad Powers, college football, college basketball. Steve Fezzik in for the first hour, and he'll take the... Main seat for the second hour, NFL preview, starting in one hour. Are we ready? Very pensive before the show. Very quiet. What's going on? You know, when you grind, Steve, like 70 hours a week, sometimes you got to take those quiet moments. I was talking about you, too. Because <laughs> you usually are yakking before the show. I'm, I'm saving it up. Saving we, it for, I'm a red light performer is what they call it. There you go. we got a lot to get to. <laughs> a cornucopia of sports topics before, as RJ said, we get to the National Football League. So let's start out with the big college football game of the day, and that was Army and Navy. Army pulls the mild upset, 14-13. The, the uh, game goes under the total of 44. Yeah, and uh, the under guy got plenty of play in the marketplace, w- was bet down not only because of the weather, but uh, also because you got two option teams that uh, obviously are very familiar with defending one another. Army, you mentioned it, a slight underdog, a two-point uh, underdog in this one, wins outright for the second consecutive season. But I thought Navy was the better team for most of the game. Army drives, gets a touchdown first game. They get a touchdown late on their final drive. Other than that, Navy really controlled matters. Their quarterback runs for over 200 yards. And the key play of the game, just a simple trip up a hustle play, prevents Navy from having a long touchdown. He gets tripped up. That was a four-point play that cost Navy in the end. Army wins 14-13. So this is a good concept we'll be addressing when we talk about bowl handicapping here later this hour. And it's the old teach a man to fish, he eats forever, fish sandwich, he eats lunch. Well, I like lunch, but I'd rather have that fish whenever I want it. Here's the concept. If teams are very unfamiliar with an offense, they're going to struggle against that offense most of the time. 
If they're familiar, they usually do better because they're used to seeing it in practice. Now, what we'll be explaining in the bowl games is an offense like Mike Leach at Washington State, which is very quirky, is if you have a month to get ready for it, you have a much better chance of stopping it than if you have a week during the regular season. So when we look at these bowl games, that concept of how familiar the offense is and how capable is this team, even with the extended time, to get ready for it, big factor. Yeah, and also these two teams had time to prep. Army had three weeks to prep, and Navy having a bye last week, unlike last year where they were playing a conference championship game. So moving forward, what's the effect? So next year with Army and Navy. Well, no. no, both teams are in bowl games. Oh, we have bowl yeah. games. That's a good point. We have bowl I games. thought we were talking yeah. about playing each other. No, 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 no. no, no, no. We have, <laughs> we've got bowl games, and is there any kind of familiarity, or are both of the option teams going to be at a big advantage? I don't think so. I think both of their opponents, and a lot of it has to do with past history with both of their bowl opponents. You look at Rocky Long, the head coach at San Diego State, that's Army's opponent in the bowl game. Very familiar with the option. Faces Air Force every year. Faces New Mexico every year. You look at Navy's bowl opponent, Virginia. Well, Bronco Mendenhall was the head coach of BYU for so many years. He was defending the option of Air Force of New Mexico for so many years. So I actually think it's a negative and just, you know. So negative for whom? Negative for the service academies. I will because be looking- extra time plus coaches familiar means they're probably going to be combated, that offense, that option more than typically during the regular season. Absolutely. And I think Navy's probably a little bit down losing six of the last seven games. And I think Army might be caught maybe celebrating a little bit. This is the first time they've taken home the Commander-in-Chief trophy since 1996. And the problem with the option, it's really a brilliant offense to run against teams not used to it, but it really is not a good offense. (laughs) So if we spent a whole year preparing for it, we would stop it cold, and we see that year after year in the Army-Navy game, and that's why you see so many of the Sharps getting at that number the second it comes out on Sunday night and Monday morning by Friday. Getting at what number? The opening number. The opening total starts oh, out in the 50s. So the total. Thanks for saying the that. The opening total, RJ, almost <laughs> always opens up in the 50s. And what happens within two days, you blink and it's down to 46. And most of the value has been sucked out by the pros early in the week. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Off the field, the big news of the college football day was... The Heisman going to Baker Mayfield for the better part of the last four weeks. He's been a massive favorite, but this was a pretty tight race until about week seven. Oh, I would take it further than that, probably week eight or nine. I think Bryce Love getting hurt the last four or five games of the season really hurt it in that regard. And give Baker Mayfield credit, stood up in the big game, started with week two against Ohio State, performed very well. And you know, it's, it kind of, to me, reminded me of what the Heisman Trophy used to kind of be. You know, Baker Mayfield's had a f- great four-year career. He's the all-time leader in pass efficiency in NCAA history. Great season this year, but a great career. He runs away with it. The, the third highest percentage as far as vote total in uh, the history of the Heisman Trophy. I really think the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game was the turning point for the Heisman. When Baker Mayfield had that huge game, he went from being a big underdog to suddenly being the clear-cut favorite. So Brad isn't taking his bows, but the number two, or the runner-up, was... Bryce Love, who was early on in the process 101 to win the Heisman. And keep in mind, last year, Lamar Jackson, who ended up winning it, was 101. And that was kind of the storyline for me. This was only the second time in the last eight years... A guy that came into the season in the top five of the Heisman favorites actually won the award. This is the one time where taking and backing a long shot in the preseason, 
has actually been rewarding. Not only you know hundred to one last year with Lamar Jackson, but Jameis Winston and Johnny Manziel weren't even on the Heisman board when those odds opened up in the middle of the summer uh, when they won their Heisman Trophy in their respective years. So with love, we were on in the preseason before the college season started with Colin Cowherd on his podcast. I brought in the expert Brad, and you gave a long shot Heisman pick on Bryce Love. I absolutely did. Now, if you want to think about how tough (laughs) this business is, imagine eighty to one. Right, you had for Bryce Love. Uh, Yeah, he opened a hundred to one, but when we did the Cowherd, it was eighty to one. And the imagine getting second. And not getting anything. Tough, tough. Now, these guys mentioned, and I think it's a good point, why are there more surprises with the Heisman relative to the preseason expectation? Well, I think it's because players can get known so quickly these days. I mean, you think back, you know, obviously to some degree since the internet, but social media especially, even, but think 20 years ago, if you weren't on those preseason magazine covers, it took a long time for people to find out about you today. And I always remember this. It was, he was with A&M. It's that quarterback, Kenny Hill. Hill yeah. And he was off the board. He played an uh, opening Thursday game, had a good game. This was the year after Manziel, right? Won it yep. with A&M. And he shot up to like be the third favorite after one game. That never happened in the old days. Never. And again, uh, it used to be almost like a career award if you had a great career, at least a couple of good seasons prior, and you just did your job your senior season, then a lot of times you got awarded the trophy. It was also a weird year for the top teams where you could take a long shot because if you look at the other top teams in the college football playoff, they have a multitude of stars. Alabama has three guys who rush for like 1,900 yards, but they have three guys. They have a great quarterback, but well, good quarterback, but he's 15 touchdowns. One interception. Clemson doesn't have a gigantic star on offense. And Georgia has two star running backs and a young quarterback who actually replaced the starting quarterback. That's a great point. What, what the Heisman Trophy has become is obviously a quarterback award. 15 of the last 18 winners have been quarterbacks. And a lot of those quarterbacks on the best teams. So if you usually have a great season as a quarterback. You're on one of the top you know, three, four teams in the country. You tend to win the award. That was the case, but you're right with the finalists both being on multiple lost teams, four lost teams. So on Fridays moving forward and this Saturday first hour on Straight Out of Vegas, we're going to hit a lot of the bowl games specifically. But we want to have bowl concepts so we can go through three or four of the most important bowl concepts and point to some specifics with these bowl concepts. So fire away, some real good tips for the betters. Well, number one for me and what makes the bowl season unique compared to the regular season is motivation. It's the one time a year where you can have one team that's excited to be there. They want to win. They want to stamp, rubber stamp what's been a successful season. And sometimes their opponent could really care less. Maybe it's been a disappointing season. They had other bowl aspirations of playing in a bigger bowl game. Maybe you know they're losing some players. You know That's become a recent trend where they're just skipping out of the bowl. The bowl and, game doesn't mean anything. And to some degree, you don't have to guess. I think it's a situation where you can read the local reports, beat writers, etc. What's the excitement level? As we think about motivation, what is the excitement level? Because... If these players aren't excited, it's weeks and weeks and weeks of additional practice for a game, hypothetically, they don't care about. It's also a situation where they go to the location for the bowl game and they spend five, six, seven days there based on how big the game is. 
And we might, and it's not as simple as saying, oh, if it's a bowl game before Christmas, probably they're disappointed. If it's after Christmas, you know, if it's New Year's or after, they're fine. No, I think it's all about expectation. And we saw Alabama played in the Sugar Bowl and they got dominated by Utah a, a few years ago. They lost their chance at going to the national championship game, the, the game prior. And that's even a Nick Saban coach team, and it's happened multiple times. So, what, the times. best coach in college football, yep. by most accounts, playing in one of the five biggest bowl games. Yeah, and, and at that time, and that still they weren't they weren't yep. excited, and they got beat by Utah. So, do we have a team or two that you expect to lack motivation? Because I have one. Yeah, well, I'm worried about uh, a team playing in a big. Bowl well, hold game. on, let's say because yeah. I don't yeah. want you, you stepping on right. Steve. Right. Let's let the square chair yeah. speak. I, I said I have one, and then I looked right at RJ. I'm a little worried. Ooh. The Buckeyes. Yep. Uneven performance in during the season. Blowout loss against Iowa. So we already know when they're at their best, they're really good. When they're not, ooh, they can be bad. And are they going to be fired up since they didn't make the college football playoff? I don't feel like I am certain of this, but here's my take. If it weren't USC, obviously it's a big bowl game. But to me, if feels like and you know what's interesting and i'm not sure if this is going to apply but on twitter there wasn't that much outrage from the buckeye fans there was almost a sense of we deserve to be left out they would have liked to have been there i would have liked them to be there as a fan and i also thought legitimately they should have been there as we've talked about at length but i'm thinking if you could have made something and you don't and you don't feel like you deserve it Deep down, because they did get people by Iowa in an embarrassing way, the Buckeyes, I think maybe it doesn't feel like that much of a disappointment. You add in USC, you add in the big bowl game, and I, my gut feeling is they play hard. What do you think? Real quick, I know we got a break, but real quick, Brad. Yeah, I, I think it's not such a letdown. I think there's a lot of other teams that we'll talk about coming after the break that I think have even more questionable motivation. Oh, you see that tease? That was beautiful. We'll hear about more of those teams and more bowl, more bowl tips here. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas. Right here on Fox Sports Radio in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Steve Cofield, RJ Bell, we've got Brad Powers and Fezzik. Fezzik gets the wise guy chair too? Absolutely, because we're not talking all college. We'll talk some other topics. We're about 15 minutes away from talking about college basketball. You know what's funny is Fezzik's probably one of the, I don't know, 80 best people in the world at college football, but because he's one of the five best in the world at the NFL, we act like he doesn't know college. He, he's an intern. He's an intern. <laughs> we were talking about bowl tips. Motivation. Who was fired up for bowl games? I throw out Ohio State. I think I got rejected. To... I, I think it's an interesting question. Fez, what do you think on that one? I think Ohio State would be sky high to play USC. Okay. I agreed 100%. If they would have played Washington State, it would have been fade city, but they're going to be up for this game. Both of the wise guy chairs say I'm wrong, so I'll well, go with it. Hey, uh, you're, in the, it you're in the square chair for a reason. There, exactly, exactly. So who do you worry about from a motivation standpoint during the bowl season? Uh, how about the Auburn Tigers, a team that was one win away from going to the college football playoff? And, you know, yes, they're playing in a big bowl game still, uh, one of the New Year's Six, but instead of playing an opponent, a name brand like Ohio State's playing USC, they're playing Central Florida. So I don't think that Now, moves- does the undefeated... Central Florida changed things a little bit. 
Uh, see, I, I would say, say yes, it does, but past history says no. You, you look at these group of five teams, and, and the, I'll throw the former Big East who used to get an automatic qualifier in the in BCS days. No, in the last nineteen instances where, where that team's played a major bowl game, been an underdog sixteen of the nineteen times, won thirteen of them outright. Wow. So that tells me these bigger name teams. Usually have questionable motivation. And don't get up for now, it. Now, now give us that again. Let's break that down because this sounds like a very actionable trend. Yes. So dating back to the BCS era, and I'm going to throw count the Big East. So start with some facts. Yes. <laughs> okay. There's been 19 instances here going back of the last, what? 19 instances of what? Of the group of five champions. All right. The making, group of five champions making a major bowl game. Okay. Excellent. Now, what do we define a major bowl game as? What Orange Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Rose Bowl, one of the Fiesta Bowl, the the made the four or five major bowl games. But how can you have a trend with nineteen unless we know the exact bowl games? Well, and any of the ones that are considered major bowl games. See, here's the, the reason why it's become instead of four major bowl the games like changed. it was for so many years. Yeah. Now it's so, six major. So bowl this games. year, what's the major bowl games? Peach Bowl. Okay. Uh, Peach Bowl is the the one that UCF is going to make in. So it, it meets one the criteria. Of the yep. Yes. Okay. And in those 19 games, how have those teams done? 16 of the 19 times, the group of five teams been an underdog. Okay. But they've won 13 of the 19 outright, winning the game outright. Forget the spread. They won the game outright. 13 of 19. So 13 and 6, and they were underdogs 16 of those 19 times. Yes. Oh, So this goes back to one of the concepts we talked about on the dream preview. We've got a dream preview. Usually the college edition is stale, right? The Saturday games are gone. Well, we spent the first hour or so, a little less, going through these concepts in even greater depth. And also then we broke down, what, 11 games? Yes. In which th- that it was ranked teams versus ranked teams with an early look. And also you had your best bet also on the dream preview. Check that out on my Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. But one of the things that we talked about on there is bowl games are higher variance. And Fez, I want your thoughts on this. What does high variance means? It means, okay, you got a 10-point favor. What's the likelihood that team wins by 40, which is an extreme result? What's the likelihood that team loses the game outright? It's my belief because motivation, there's such a range of motivation in bowls where in the regular season you're going to have ebbs and flows but a little tighter range or maybe more than a little tighter range that money lines on underdogs if you feel like you've got a big motivation edge, because sometimes you'll see a team favored by double digits that lose by 20, you rarely see that in the regular season. Do you agree with that, Fez? I agree strongly. It's a wise guy thing to bet. You look at it like a plus 12 dog in any given college football week. There might only be one or two of them that win outright. It happens all the time in bowl games. Wise guys love when they see the odds makers just put up the normal spread on the money line. And so do they? They do, so they'll put like a plus So there's a mechanical way to say they're this big of a spread favor. Here's the total because that's a factor, right? And boom, here's the, the, the dog payoff. They don't adjust for the higher variance. Exactly. So you get plus $5 on a 12.5-point dog, and they win one-fourth of the time. Now, the opposite side is you don't lay the money line on favorites, right? Because – in that case, you're really buying points. You don't play teasers. I don't play college teasers. Is there any time you play college football teasers? The only time, RJ, is a low total, spreads right around 6.5, and, and I know almost for sure it's going to go up to 8, and I'll play the favorite, but that's the only exception. Spreads a 6, and you know it's going to go to 8. 
You play the favorite. All right, let's say this. This is this goes under. <laughs> what you ask? This goes. This goes under. Don't try this at home. Yes. Stay away yeah. from college <laughs> football. <laughs> Teasers. Any other teams with motivation issues? Well, I would say Florida State would be one. This is another large favorite, more than two touchdowns taken on Southern Miss. And how do I know there's questionable motivation? Well, their best player on defense, Derwin James, he's not very motivated. He's out of there. Yep. He's skipping the game. He's going to the NFL draft. So that would be another team. That's that's interesting because this is new, right? So Fournette did that, if I remember. Christian McCaffrey. All right. So it, do we have a good feel of how many players are doing that? We don't because it's a relatively new thing. You're exactly right. Just became a kind of a more of a fad last year. Because it would seem to me if a key player is skipping the game, it's really a sign the team doesn't feel it, right? Because unless you're a complete, you know, completely disconnected from your team, if everyone's psyched up about a game and you're considering making a business decision, you're probably less inclined if you're teammates are excited right maybe that's kind of a leading indicator of how excited the teams are about a game i I totally think that's the case but it is a new trend and i don't think we have enough data point to say hey bet blindly if you see a bunch of these players skipping the bowl game let's talk about another big bowl tip and that is coaching turnover and we're seeing it all over the place who's coaching these teams yeah i think on the whole it's overall a negative just for the fact that you lose what's a negative coaching turnover is a A negative so is you had a coach during the regular season, he's not coaching the bowl game, so net-net, that's a negative in all cases? Not all cases. So what? Because what, what, I think there's only rare cases that it's a positive, so let's get those out of the way first. Okay, and here's where it's a major negative. You lo- Mississippi State's playing Louisville, <laughs> and Dan Mullen, their head coach, is gone. Their defensive coordinator, Todd Grantham, is gone. They don't have a quarterback. And their multiple assistant coaches are also leaving with Dan Mullen going to Florida. That, to me, is a clear-cut negative for Mississippi State. All right, so let's kind of quant- not quantify, but let's try to describe the phenomenon you're talking about. So let's say lack of continuity, disruption, whatever adjectives we want to use. It's if this bowl game, if the prep for it is going to be much different than the prep was during the regular season, that that erraticness is a negative. It is. And just the the pure fact of you lost man hours. You would like to think these head coaches, these assistant coaches were working 70, 80 hours a week. And when you lose two or three of them, that's a heck of a lot of man hours over a course of three, four week period. Now, would we agree? Go ahead, Fess. And the assistant coaches that are still staying are worried about their jobs next year. There's going to be a brand new head coach. I got to get a place for me to have employment next year. I'm spending half my time interviewing for my new job. I think that is, uh, it's exactly what I was going to say is these are human beings. They got kids. And remember, Coaching college football, even at the highest level, is a, is a vagabond's life. I mean, it's if you look at even a coach, let's say, that becomes a coordinator in the SEC, so he's making big money. If you look back over his 20 years or whatever, probably seven, eight, nine moves in the prior 20. If they have kids, very disruptive. And it's not just moving. It's finding out where you're going to move because you need a job. Yeah, and let's move to the fact where I think it's kind of a neutral. Say you lose a head coach or you split in time with a job. We have a case this year. Scott Frost, Central Florida, is becoming the new head coach in Nebraska. But his intentions right now are to coach the bowl game for Central Florida. Loss of man hours, a negative, but him coaching his final game, trying to cap off an unbeaten season, I think that's kind of a positive. The player's going to really want to send him off with a victory. To me, that's a net neutral. 
Here's the rare case where I think it's a positive you lose a head coach. Oregon loses their head coach, Willie Taggart, loses their defensive corner, but the interim coach, now newly named head coach for next season, is Mario Cristobal, the offensive coordinator. In fact, the players signed a petition, 70-plus players. We want this guy to be our head coach. He gets named the permanent head coach. This is an audition for next year. You're not going to be lagging off in practice now when you know your head coach. So hold on, because you just said something that confused me. You said an audition for next year. So is he the head coach next year? He is the head coach next year. I'm talking the players now aren't going to be lagging off during practice. You have no substitute teacher. You do not have that effect here. And I also think when you have the interim coaches hasn't been named next year's coach, but the players really like him, then it it's an audition, the bowl game, and you often see, see the team come uh, rally around that loved coach. And Oregon was the perfect storm here because we got a very motivated team, and the wise guys love Oregon. Remember, under Herbert, they're such a better team. They're starting quarterback, and because of that, the wise guys make this game way higher than the, the line where it opened at minus 6.5. A, a lot of the wise guys made this a double-digit spread. And has the line moved? Up to minus seven and a half, yes. Pretty crazy, huh? You lose a head coach and it goes up. Well, maybe that's I mean, that's, a, that's they, a statement. They, they just nailed it right there. I was going to ask if the, if, but the market, it does, if the market was affected. It was. There was a vote of confidence by the betters too. But you know, I kind of said, "Oh, that's a statement," but I don't think it is actually a statement of the relative merits of the coaches. It just reinforces the point that nothing matters more in the bowls than motivation. What is your excitement level to play in this game? One more important bowl tip to get to. I always thought working behind the counter, you know what, just fade the public. But when do you do it? you got to look into the data. We're going to hit that next. But first, Steve DeSager with the latest. Thank you very much. Quarterback Baker Mayfield of Oklahoma won the Heisman Trophy tonight. He started his college career as a walk-on at Texas Tech, transferred to OU, and winds up finishing top four in the Heisman voting three different times. He's the first senior to win this award since 2006. He received 86% of the possible voting points total. In fact, if you look just at first place votes, Baker Mayfield, 732. Second place, 75 votes for Stanford's Bryce Love. Louisville's Lamar Jackson, last year's winner, had under 50 first place votes. Army in the snow at Philadelphia today beat rival Navy 14-13. Navy missed a 48-yard field goal attempt on the final play just wide left. So Army wins the Commander-in-Chief's trophy for the first time since 1996. Army in its bowl game will face San Diego State in a couple weeks in Fort Worth, Texas. Navy since mid-October has lost six of seven games. It'll play on its home field for a bowl game against Virginia. College football's bowl season starts next Saturday with six games, two NFL games next Saturday, and two on the Saturday after that for the NFL as well. College hoops today. Boston College upset number one Duke. Top 20 matchup in New Jersey. Florida beat Cincinnati and Arkansas upset number 14 Minnesota. The Yankees will reportedly acquire Giancarlo Stanton from the Marlins. Not yet official. The Angels say Shohei Otani, their new signee, will not play outfield next season. He could pitch in a six-man rotation and DH for them. Toronto won the MLS Cup 2-0 over Seattle. In the late NBA game, Houston with its ninth straight victory, a comeback at Portland, 124-117. James Harden, 48 points. Oklahoma City got a triple-double from Russell Westbrook in an overtime win at Memphis. Cleveland got a triple-double from LeBron James in a win against Philadelphia. And rare NBA victories for Chicago and Atlanta. Back to you. All right, Steve. We are going over some of the top tips for the bowl season. Brad Powers and Fezzik in the Wise Guy chairs. So, uh, last big point to get to, fading the public. 
What is the philosophy on this? Because there are some numbers out there that say, hey, you just play against the public. You're going to be in pretty good shape, upwards of 60% if less than like 40% of the tickets are on one side. But you gotta, you have to examine the data because I started looking at this today and I was like, uh-oh, there's a lot of these cases, especially early in bowl season. Well, first, it's very important to realize any system. So a system is when it's league-wide. A trend is when it's team-specific. Any trend or system that's above 55% long-term, it's, there's some element of an aberration to it. There is, mm. there are no 60% systems long-term okay. because one, uh, 60% is almost impossible to do no matter what. You, it, it is impossible long-term. And that's great advice, right? Is pregame.com. We're very proud of what we do. We're very proud of straight out of Vegas and all of the stuff we do to varying degrees, but generally proud is, there's a lot of guys out there that do good work that have nothing to do with RJ Bell. Here's the thing though. If they're telling you winning is easy, if they're telling you 60 plus percent is attainable, run the other way. If they tell you winning's hard and we're going, going for 55% and you like their content, there might be a ton of value there to get from them. But, that is the thing to be very scared of because if they're trying to tell you it's easy, they don't have your best interest at heart because it is not easy. Wouldn't you say, guy? Anyone think anyone thinks it's easy? <laughs> no. <laughs> so on this ticket split uh, and the under forty percent thing, examining the data, well, how do you look at it? it, it well, it makes sense uh, to a lot of in regards. Number one, you got isolated games, uh, so TV spotlighted games. Public's going to want to get more involved. It's the only game in town they're going to be watching. A lot of times there's extra value because these are teams they haven't even been watching all year. You got Louisiana Tech playing SMU. How often is the public going to be betting and getting involved on that game? So what happens, because it's a unique time of year, you have multiple weeks, public smarter than what they used to be. Maybe they see some of the line movement already and just blindly follow that line movement. So a lot of times you get extra value, half point, point, but with that being, you know, fading the public. But you think the a lot of the early action is from... The sharps, the people who are really into it, and the other thing is uh, examining the numbers, like on a site like pregame dot com. Um, you know, you may want to wait until there's a little more volume of bets, especially yeah, on well, the let, December sixteenth games coming up. Yeah, let's keep this simple: is until game day, ignore or don't act upon public information. And let's define that because we're throwing a lot of words around here. And I thought Brad made an interesting point, but it was kind of buried. Um, so let's talk about a couple of things. One is a big chunk of the overall action is going to be on game day. Thus, wait till game day. You can watch the numbers and go to pregame.com, go to the game center. That's a tab. And then within the game center, you click on consensus and we've got the ticket count split and the cash split on every game. Only place for free with the cash split. Anywhere in the world on all the games, NFL, college, et cetera. Okay. So that can tell you set, let's just say 70% on team A, 30 on team B. Now that would be fading the public. Now why fade the public? Because a lot of people think, and this is wrong. So let's start there. Wrong is, well, the public never wins. So I'll just fade the public, right? Well, remember a drunk baby flipping coins hits 50% of the time. Right, so if you fade, if I say, "Hey, there's a drunk baby flipping coins," let's fade. Well, 
you're going to lose, right? Because in the long run, you're going to win 50% fading or following in that case. So in order to fade, you actually got to have that pick or that approach to picking winning, what, 47.5 or so percent of the time, right? A drunk baby's hitting 50. So why fade then? It's because the biased opinion or the incorrect opinion or the uninformed opinion of the public moves the price. So imagine if you're going into real estate, you're going to buy a house and you're thinking, man, I want to, I want to buy houses. No one else wants to buy. Right. And I, and I want to short houses if you could short them. Right. I want to go against houses. Everyone wants to buy. Well, the question is, do they want to buy it for a good reason, a tangible reason? Because Tom Brady makes people want to bet them, but that's a good reason, right? So it's built into the number. But if it's something like, and that was the point, Brad, I thought you made that was a really good one. A lot of these teams people aren't familiar with at all. So if they're, that unfamiliar team is playing a familiar team, there's going to just be a ton of bias to bet that SEC team or whatever against a Mountain West team or whatever it ends up being that they're not familiar with. And thus, you're going to see the public be a bigger percentage of the overall handle because they're TV games. You talked about it in standalones. And number two, they're probably going to be even more lopsided than usual, but not for good reason. It's almost like, hey, so no one wants to buy a pink house. Okay, fine. I'll buy the pink house for 10% less and then paint it, and that's going to cost me 1%, right? So I want to go against the, the lack of logic the, that the public has when it affects the line. And it happens not that often during the year, but certainly, like you mentioned, RJ happens during the bowl games and it happens during March Madness when Michigan State plays George Mason. All those drunk babies and drunk adults are going to bet on <laughs> Sparty and move that line. But actually, the drunk babies are random. Just the drunk adults. The drunk adults. <laughs> so actually, that's interesting. It'd be better to f- follow a drunk baby than a drunk adult. Because the drunk adult's going to be moving the line, right, with all his other you know, fanny pack wearing squares. Where, the, where It's almost like game theory, right? In poker, if you're playing someone who's better than you... And Fez, you understand this is not so much because you're better than most, but you play high limits sometimes. Game theory says you want to make random some of your decisions because if you try to overthink it, you're going to get out thought. In fact, this is a good story. Let's lean back a second. Is Fez has, how old's your boy? Six. One of the smartest six-year-olds you're ever going to see. I mean, as you could guess, right? Northwestern, one of the great professional batters. And but he's very studious. He's like a little Alex P. Keaton, right? Remember Family Ties? <laughs> sure. Is that fair? Very fair. And I told him, I said, I'm going to beat you in rock, scissors, paper. He's like, Oh, I'm ready to go. And he's a chess player, so you think he's ready, right? So we bet a buck, and I made him pay when I won. I'll, I'll skip ahead to that part. You got to teach those lessons early. Yeah, early you on, to. But he had a certain pattern, and after a while, I was able to pick up on it. And I beat him very easily. But if he would have just, if somehow he would have just flipped a coin behind him or a three sided die and then selected based on one, two, or three, like rock, scissors, or paper, I'd have no way to have any edge over him. So if you're playing against someone in any game like poker or rock, scissors, paper that's superior, the trick is just to be random and that superior player has no edge over you. 
And what RJ identified, he went to second level of thinking. He could tell that I had schooled my son that when you play <laughs> rock, paper, scissors, usually your opponents will not repeat whatever they play first. So when RJ went rock, my son knew he, RJ would not go rock again, but RJ knew that my son knew that. <laughs> oh, my God. And went, took it to the second level and destroyed him. I, it was, And I took the money. I can't lie. It's an important lesson. You couldn't right? just let him win. That would have been sick. That would have that would have been demented, right? What, what that would have been sick. That, I mean, what good would have that done? The no kid, lessons learned, at right? All. This kid's winning enough, right? Daddy, he went rock a- again. He's not supposed to do that. <laughs> He's getting straight A's all the time. But it is bringing it all back. It is fascinating that a drunk baby flipping coins will have a better chance to win the bowls than a drunk adult because they're probably playing those expensive, popular teams. There's a reason the house is holding eight percent against the public making straight bets at post because. It's last point, because if you just have a drunk baby flipping coins, you're holding less than 5% on minus 110. On the way back, we're going to talk about the Duke upset today and then some interesting college coaching situations. Two other teams lost as favorites. They lost outright, and I'm a little bit worried. Moving forward, that's on the way. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas, rolling on. Geico, Fox Sports Radio Studios. Great news. There's a quick way you could save mucho Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Mucho was not in the copy. That's what I was going <laughs> to ask. Imagine they just added that. Geico's like, we want Mucho. Mucho De Nero. Then a lot which is of completely like, put, incorrect. I think it's important to say not to say that because political people might think, oh, look, you know, they're, 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 they're catering to the Spanish speakers. But I'm a blithering idiot, so none of that makes sense. Fair enough. Oh, yes, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, let's close out this hour with some college basketball and what Vegas says on a couple of baseball moves. First of all, college basketball. Duke loses on the road. 15.5 point favorite against Boston College. What happened? Yeah, Boston College, a 10-1 to dog on the money line, wins the game outright. Here's what happened. A huge outlier. Boston College hit 15 three-pointers in the game. It's the huge variance and obviously the equalizer. This was the most three-point made field goals against the Duke team in 20-plus seasons. Think about that for a second. Duke normally plays 35, upwards of maybe 40 games a season. So you're talking 700-plus games. No one's hit 15 three-pointers. They do it today. That's why Boston College pulls the outright upset. So, Brad, in the NBA, we all talk about you know Larry Bird in a season tried about as many threes as uh, Curry might in a week or whatever <laughs> the math is. How has, in general, and broad strokes here, don't get in the weeds. How has, in general, the amount of attempts of three-pointers in college changed in the last five or seven years? You know, just generally speaking, <laughs> maybe up 15 or 20 percent. I didn't prep the, de- the, the data. Gotta you think it way higher. So 15 or 20 percent more. You were thinking 15, 20 percent more yes. than five years ago. Fez, what do you think? I think 50 percent more. Okay, interesting. And I do think that's a really savvy point. We spent the whole football season talking about faulty finals. Well, that happens in college too, right? And oftentimes it's an extraordinary shooting night. And and threes are even more impactful, obviously. But what's a team's typical uh, percentage of made buckets? How many did they make in this game? Now, usually, and Fez, you can tell me how you think about this, it isn't just as easy to say, oh, this team shoots 44% and they shot 30 here. It was a fluke because sometimes they shoot 30 because of the other team. So how do you 
ascertain that it, other than watching the game, Fez? Is there a way to ascertain if it's NBA or college, if a team has a really bad... We know if they have a good shooting night, it was them, right? And... It, you know, we could say, oh, the defense was bad, but still, it's going to be they were hot, right? But if you have a really bad shooting night, it could be just randomness or it could be the defense. Starting with you, Fez, how do you find that answer? You really have to actually watch the game. Oh, really? Sorry. All those college games? So how many college, <laughs> ga- how many college games do you watch a week? Uh, none until the end of December. All right, so, and this brings up the important point. doesn't matter how good you are. You can spot play from guys that you trust or maybe systems you've got that, that don't really need handicapping. But in general, Fez, you're spending, um, what, 70% of your time on the NFL, 25% of your time on college football, and then 5% on stray other things until college football is over? Exactly. 5% networking with people who are watching the college basketball games. There you go. So, Brad, same question to you. Someone shoots re- a team shoots really poorly other than watching the game. Any way to ascertain if it was great defense or just bad shooting? It could be matchup. Uh, you know, maybe a team has a unique defense like Syracuse 2 3 yeah, zone. But, would you, but you'd have to watch. So, you're saying if there's a game coming in, you're speculating that this matchup might be problematic and then they shoot poorly. You're just going to assume it was problematic? Because it could be, it could have been the matchup wasn't problematic at all, right? That's a good point. Yeah, so I think it seems like now, Brad. Now you specialize on the college side, obviously basketball. Once football's over, how many games in a week do you watch? Probably about ten or twelve. So I not so only that many. Well, that I mean, <laughs> that's still you know, and of no, course, it's a lot yeah, of one games, or two a but, night, yeah. But it's just on a, a typical Wednesday card yeah. when there's like seventy games. It's it's very and that's why I would recommend anyone out there with 350 Division One teams. It is always better to specialize in specific couple conferences. No doubt, uh, actionable on a couple of coaching situations. These were also outright favored losses. San Diego State loses to Cal. Cal's terrible this year. They lose outright as a 16 and a half point favorite new coach in Brian Dutcher, and he's in his uh, sort of third year. Greg Gard, Wisconsin. Now four and seven, they lose laying four and a half by 19 to Marquette. Yeah, and this is something to look forward because he looked like a good hire the last couple of years, Greg Gard for Wisconsin, back-to-back Sweet 16 performances. But like you and I were mentioning prior to the show, a lot of that was feeding off of four-year players from the previous coach. This is one moving forward where I'm looking to more fade Wisconsin. This could become a toxic situation. 19 years in a row making the NCAA tournament. War starts since uh, 2001-2, and Greg Gard was put in place by Bo Ryan because Bo Ryan decided just randomly – I'm going to resign on December 15th of 2015. And then his guy was put in place, and his guy has not recruited well and doesn't look great right now. No, it doesn't. And again, that NCAA tournament uh, streak now definitely in jeopardy. All NFL next hour, although I will mention one number. There are some numbers being posted on the trade of Giancarlo Stanton to the Yankees, an over under on Judge Stanton home run numbers. Hour two on the way, straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! We are in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Steve Cofield, RJ Bell, of course, is here. And for the NFL Hour, Steve Fezzik in the Wise Guy Chair, the only two-time Super Contest champion. And he did it back-to-back just to show off. Kind of like messed around and got a triple-double. Sure, sure. Where's that from? (laughs) Do you know? 
Ice tea, know. baby. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, no. <laughs> no? What am I, I thinking? Ice cube. Ice cube. It I mean. can be confused. Ice cube, I mean. Yes. And the ice tea. <laughs> dump, 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 fellas, please. You know, I actually had a great, I had a great experience. You, you know, that's the thing about radio is uh, you never know who's listening, right? So uh, I was on with Adam Kroll. I do Adam uh, Adam's show every Wednesday and give two picks. And, uh, you know, Adam obviously was a working class guy. And then he got uh, famous. But he was talking about, I asked him, I said, when did you realize that you were famous? And he originally was working with K-Rock on Kevin and Bean, which I do that show also. Great guys with Kevin and Bean in L.A. And they were talking about how he that he went up and someone was there who was like a famous movie star. I can't remember who it was. And they said, oh, my God, I can't make, wait to meet Adam Carolla. This is back when Adam was like an unknown guy. Right. But he just happened to listen to that show. Yep. Right. So the beauty is, is that when you're doing it, well, listen, when you're on 330 stations, like this, obviously we have, excuse me, we have a lot of people listening, but it really shows you the, the power of radio. I know digital is huge and Fox is doing a great job with it, but I mean, radio, very powerful. So you listen to a lot of sports talk radio. You know, one of the big subjects on Monday is going to be those damn Yankees. Evil Empire picked up Giancarlo Stanton. It's almost done. Vegas is already starting to look at numbers for props, which is kind of interesting. Off-season baseball? I don't know if they get any action on this. Fezzik, one, what kind of difference in uh, over-under win totals can a guy like Stanton make to the Yankees who went 91-71 and 71 a year ago? And can I, I'll, I'll throw something out. Where does war, wins above replacement, where does that come in to handicapping and setting numbers? Well, he's worth eight to the Marlins with the home run year that he had last year, hitting almost 60 home runs. But You're saying eight wins. Eight wins. He was eight wins above replacement. But Now, does that change on a better team? Yes, okay. because at some point, if you played a perfect team, you'd be worth nothing because they'd win without you. So he's probably only worth four and a half or five to the Yankees because they're already going to win 92 games. Okay. Home run totals they've put up on the board. They're having some fun with this. Judge and Stanton hit 111 home runs last year. So combined home run total over under is on the board down at the Golden Nuggets. So I assume what? It's like 100? No. It's 82 and a half. Make sense of that? Well, I think a good example of that is if you look at season wins in baseball, you usually have one or two teams at most over 90 wins. Because even though you know there's going to be three, four, five teams with more than 90 wins. You never know what teams they're going to be. Same thing in the NFL, right? If we said starting the season, what's the over-under on teams winning 13 games? What, one and a half as probably? Yeah. And But no, you know, like the Patriots this year had one of the biggest team totals in memory, and it was? Opened 11, closed 12 and a half. So and that got bet up like crazy. So even a team as good as the Pats, if we expect one and a half, you know, either one or two most likely to win thirteen, even the team that's clearly the best, we don't assume it's going to be that team. So 111 home runs between Judge and Stanton. When they're on the Yankees together, you can play this prop. You would go under eighty two and a half. I would actually go under eighty two and a half, and here's why. I did a little research on this. The last three years, it turns out if you hit forty three home runs, doesn't sound like that much compared to those two numbers. You're in the top four in the major leagues, not just, and I mean, that's incredible. So you got two guys on the same team. I think that they're both going to have to have top years to get 
up and over that 82 and a half. But when you say two guys on the same team, I think that actually amplifies. It's not like there's one basketball and there's no way that, that they can both get 30. If anything, if one's hitting three and one's hitting four, if the three hitters having a great home run year, that helps the four hitter, right? That, so I think there's an amp- amplification. That's true because you a great point because you can put them back to back. You can't pitch around the first guy, but I still think that 82 and a half is a leap of faith. You need both those guys to stay healthy all year long to get over. Stan's also a dude who's been hurt in many seasons in the past. Big NFL games to get to. We've got a crossfire coming up later on. We've got pros versus Joes as well. I'm going to try to keep these guys apart. Fezzik and RJ Bell. Uh, 425 star. One of the big TV games. They're all on TV, but one of the big games. Seattle at Jacksonville, and Seattle is getting two and a half. So to me, this is the way, because almost every host in my segments this week likes Seattle, and this is the way I walk through with them. Fez, I want to do it with you, is who's the better team over the right now? They're dead equal in my numbers. All right, so your power ratings, which are up at pregame.com in the forms. You put them up every Wednesday, 1 to 32. I also tweet that out at RJ in Vegas, and you're saying dead even. So Jacksonville's home field, about two and a half, right? It is. Okay, so now dead even teams, two and a half. Now, situationally, I agree with all that. I think there's two advantages for Jacksonville, and I actually like Jacksonville. Here's one, which is Russell Wilson had one of the great efforts uh, since Fran Tarkenton. <laughs> Let's go back to the 70s. He was running around like tech, you know, Bo Jackson and Tecmo or whatever, right? <laughs> so is it possible he's a little bit tired? Right? To some degree, you can't exert that much en- energy and then travel across the country. It is a later start, but across the country and not think there's a chance that he that Wilson's going to be a little bit beat. All right, number two, Jacksonville has one of the best defensive lines in the league. That's not debatable. What is certain, though, they have the deepest, the number one deepest defensive line. So how does Russell Wilson usually get an edge? He tires out the guys chasing him, and then in the second half he breaks one or whatever. I don't think Jacksonville gets tired because of that. That's it's all situational because home field and power ratings say the numbers right. I like Jacksonville. Yeah, I do as well. Pursuant to your point, Jacksonville, the number one sack team, they don't get tired. They get the other team's offensive line tired by getting forty five sacks year to date. And what's Seattle's weakness? They can't block. That's why Russell Wilson's running around like Techno Bowl. I agree with that. But let me let me make an interesting point here. And I love the NFL because we're so familiar listeners with the teams, we could get a little deeper is football outsiders does the analytics and they actually looked at Seattle's line with left tackle Brown playing and not playing right. Traded from Houston. If you remember, and when he wasn't playing one of the worst O lines in the league, no doubt. But since he's been playing number eight, Seattle's O line, number eight, so I do think moving forward, now that's a small sample, right? What's it been, three or four games? But if the, if they do have number eight offensive line, Seattle, and the defense, some of the guys stepping in for the Legion of Boom that seem to be playing better than we expected, this Seattle team could be a lot better than we thought based upon the O-line and the injuries on defense. And Seattle also has a strong history year after year of improving in December, but this is a terrible scheduling spot. You talked about it. They go ahead and play Philly primetime game, get the win. They go all the way across the country to Jacksonville. They have the showdown with the Rams next week. Sunday Night Football. Ravens 
now getting four and a half. Numbers come down from five and a half at the Steelers. And I know we have a big disagreement between the herd and Fezzik on the Ravens. All right. So what's what, what's the herd? Well, I thought the herd had uh, Ravens way up in his herd hierarchy. Oh, that's right. And, that's and, right. And Van Fezzik is not so high on them. And their de- the def- th- there's no debate. Well, actually, we need to dig deeper on the defense, don't we? How good is this Ravens yes. defense? That's exactly right. And by the way, in the Dream Preview NFL edition, which Fez and I did a head-to-head this week, and it it really, the feedback's been outstanding this week. Fez started talking. I, I don't want to cast negative feelings towards him, <laughs> I guess. I don't want to crush him. Why but now? He started talking about the Hobbit, and then I, uh. I banned it. I banned it, right? So other than that, great episode of the Dream Preview. <laughs> but, <laughs> but really, the herd has Baltimore right, I think, eight, if I remember correctly, just from memory. And Fez, where do you got him on the power ratings? I've got Baltimore 12. All right, and that's a fairly big difference. And you came up, you're the only guy in the country, I've heard talking about this. Baltimore, if you look at just the stats, Cofield was going to say it, one of the best defenses in the NFL, you think they're deceiving in favor of Baltimore. Yeah, because they've gotten to play five and a half backup quarterbacks over the so course of the season. So what's a half a backup season. quarterback? Half a, a backup quarterback is when uh, they're playing the Lions and Stafford goes out and Rudock takes over in the fourth quarter and throws away the game. Rudock. Remember Rambo 2? And it was it was Murdoch, and he said, <laughs> "I think that's one of the, honestly one of the great scenes in movie history is when Rambo's actually in prison, and you know the the, the Vietnamese have him, or I guess the Russians, and then yeah yeah everyone's doing the motion here on the mics is, and then he's talking back to base, and it's Murdoch who double crossed him, and you're thinking Rock or I said Rocky Rambo figures he's pretty much dead." And he says, Murdoch, I'm coming to get you. <laughs> now, that would sca- have scared uh, me. Yeah, I love the uh, difference between these guys. Raging Bull and Rambo. And over here, Hobbit. And I swear to God, he said, Techno Bull. <laughs> you did, right? I'm just tired of getting my butt kicked. Just move on. I want to hear about kicked and all these crossfires. More, more about. This wasn't even a crossfire. Uh, I wanna, <laughs> it's uh, just life, guys. It's just life. I want to hear more about the Ravens defense and how it's not as good as the numbers say. Well, the poster child is the game against. The Raiders, when they got to play against Manuel, I'm coming for you, Manuel, instead of playing Carr. I mean, they absolutely just had a, a dream schedule. They got to play Green Bay and Hunley. Houston was savage. We'll talk about him on a crossfire coming up. It's a good defense. It's not a historically great defense like the stats say. Yeah, so if you uh, the stats say second or third, and you think, what, sixth or seventh? If fifth. I'll give them fifth. Okay, so just not as good as the stats. And we talked about it yesterday, so I'll make this real quick. I think the Steelers offer value here because everyone saw Monday night and it was a war, and they figure, okay, it's going to have trouble bouncing back, plus Shazier's out, plus Schuster. And, yeah, maybe those two combined are half a point, in my opinion. Fez, you might think they're a little more. But even if we call it a point, the line on this game, Pittsburgh-Baltimore, was seven and a half what, was that the look-ahead, Fez, or was that the opener? That was the look-ahead. That was the look-ahead. So a week ago, it was 7.5. Now it's 4.5? What the heck has changed? Right? I mean, let's call it a point off of those injuries. So to me, it, this is cheap. I like the Steelers. I like them as well. It reminds me a whole lot when they played the Bengals earlier in the year. Remember when that line came down from 6 all the way down to 3.5? 
and they absolutely whacked the Bengals. And frankly, every time the Steelers have played at home where they play much better and they play a team that they're going to get up for, they have won by double digits against the Bengals, against the Titans, and against the 10-2 and Minnesota Vikings. We'll get to the Vikings. They're taking on the Panthers. I think we have a split on that one that's coming up straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas, Steve Cofield, RJ Bell is here. The Grinch doesn't like Christmas music. I'll tell you. I'm in the Christmas spirit. Uh, hold on, I like. I'm, Christ- in the, I'm setting up. I'm setting up this this read, which is very important. So just lay back. Just want to tell everyone: love has an army, and you can join the fight. This is very important. Help the Salvation Army fight for those in need all over your our community this Christmas by going to foxsportsradio.com and clicking the red kettle icon to donate or call one eight three three Sal Join. Now, what do you got to say to that? Right. I say it's awesome. Okay, good. Right? I want everyone to have the merriest Christmas possible. But what I can do to contribute to that across the country is deliver winners. I have, <laughs> and I want to hear ACDC. Right? I, want mo- I want music, get the testosterone going. Right? And on Christmas Eve, I'll take some Christmas music. Last night, I heard a Joe Pesci Christmas album. And he was singing it as the as the character from My Cousin Vinny. That would get you fired up. Let me bring that in next week. Uh, okay. Oh, really? <laughs> Look at how easy that was, Fez. I mean, I want to hear at least one of those songs. I can't, there we go. I, I'm wondering what the context was that you were listening to Joe Pesci's <laughs> Christmas album. Quick question, though, and then we'll get back to the games. <laughs> Best Christmas movie Around the horn, I'll start. And if anyone says anything other than this, me and Gottlieb got in a big argument about this. I do a spot with him every Friday or Thursday at four thirty Eastern. Is so I'm going to fight if you disagree. Bad Santa, Billy Bob Thornton, best Christmas movie ever. Well, it's, obviously, it's very, very close. Just give us the number. It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> Old school, Brad. Oh, he agrees. I love It's a Wonderful Life, but Year Without a Santa Claus is the best, because I'm watching that tonight, and Holiday, Eight Crazy Nights, Adam Sandler. Okay. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. A lot of people, there's a big debate, is Die Hard a Christmas movie not or not? This. This, is, this, is, this is the Sports Talk Radio stuff you complain about. All right, let's get, people to, let's get back to the game. Stupid Die Hard debate. They got the artillery out after us. Oh, God. Well, he, he, the movie quote guy over here. You know, he only has seen like seven movies <laughs> in his life. So if we mention one, you know he's going to do a quote. Patriots at the Dolphins and the Pats are laying 11 in this one. And we get treated to this one on Monday night. To me, and this is a sne- sneaky uh, reality. Because if you just glance at the schedule, you miss out on the reality that New England is playing their fourth road game out of five. And where it's sneaky is it looks like that Raiders game was at home, but think back, that was a Mexico City game. So four out of five. And next week, as fans know, New England's at Pittsburgh. So five out of six fans. Have you ever seen an NFL team play five out of six road games? It does happen, but it's rare. Really? So you've seen that before this season? Yeah, usually what happens, you nailed it, is when they go to London or when they go to Mexico. Okay. So to me, Belichick, the genius, and he no qualifier like the boy genius for McVeigh, 
is I think he slows this game down as the best he can. Now, if it gets to be they're somehow behind in the second half, he'll speed it up, but he'd love to win this baby uh, 17-7. He'd be ecstatic, and we're getting 11-11.5. I think Miami's the right side because of all those road games, fatigue, down to Florida, some heat, and Pittsburgh next week. Yeah, I like Miami as well. And remember, the only home game that New England had, they won and they covered against these Miami Dolphins. So Miami has blowout revenge from just two weeks before, and they've had success at home. Well, hold on a second. If Mike Tyson walks up and cracks you in the mouth, and then you hear he's coming back to back to see you next week, do you have revenge? I think Mike is even more confident and might well look past you <laughs> I mean, and I don't, go out I, all night before he beats you up the next time as well. What I will say that backs Miami, and this is shocking, last four times the Pats have played in Miami, the, Miami's won three of the four straight up. Yeah, and four and one against the spread. And you've got some people missing here. Gronk's missing, Edelman's missing, Hogan's missing. You don't have all your receivers. So you, Hogan, you're sure he's out? I've got down that he's out, yes. I think we'll he might check. be coming back. You might want to double check. Yeah, that you might. Well Fantasy geeks were all over checking the Hogan status. I'll check as we're talking. Yeah. Uh, Vikings are three at Carolina. This is a pros versus Joe spot. Pros on the Panthers. Joe's on the Vikings. And I also feel like there might be a little coin flip justice due to the Vikings. Meaning the Vikings have won a lot of close games, and people aren't talking about it. And I think here's why. The Vikings have looked really good. You mentioned, and I had forgotten, Pittsburgh beating the Vikings. Obviously, they weren't playing quite as well, but that's a nice win in hindsight now. But it was that Minnesota win against the Rams. The scoreboard looked really impressive, though it was a little deceiving, I think. 7-7, late in the second quarter before they pulled away, yeah. (laughs) 7-7, late in the second (laughs) quarter? What does that even... Who cares? Minnesota won 24-7. Okay, yeah, so what I'm saying, though, is if you actually look at the stats, 24-7 was slightly deceiving. Yes. Yeah, should have just left it at that. All right, fair enough. So so here's the thing, is people don't realize that they've had six Minnesota one-score games. Let's call it eight points or less because it's applicable here. And they're 5-1 and one in those games. Now, coin flip justice in the long run, six games is not the long run, is they should have lost two more games, right? Three and three. How differently, Fez, would would we be thinking about Minnesota if they had two additional losses? I think we'd stop talking about how they could be the best team now in the NFC and not the Eagles. And this is their third straight road game, RJ. They're on an 8-0 straight up and against the spread run, which looks super impressive until, let's think about this. What was the last time we saw a team red hot on an 8-0 run? That was the Philadelphia Eagles. At some point, you start losing the coin flips. You start losing a game when you get overconfident on a long winning streak. But I think you said that the wrong way. And let, let's dig in for a second. Because people always understand just the little stats and they think regression to the mean, regression to the mean. No, no, no. Regression to the mean takes you know thousands and thousands of reps for it to say eventually it's going to come back. You never can say it's, it's really regression to the mean is pretty much the do theory. Right is and actually I was on with uh, Broussard today and uh, Willard and Broussard's like, hey, I kind of like this team because I think they're due, you know, due to lose. They he likes the other team. I'm like, well, heck, you must love the Browns. Then are they due to win? I mean, so when you say, oh, it's been eight in a row. At some point, it's going to happen. 
It almost sounds like the do theory. That's not what you're saying, is it? Not at all. It's a matter of energy. I think that Minnesota has expanded so much energy. Fourth road game here in five weeks. At some point, they're going to come. We talk about this all the and time. And it takes more energy to win games? On the road than playing at home, absolutely. So, but it's, so it's not about the eight wins. It's about the third straight road game. That, that's the key factor. The key factor is the third it, straight road game. Because it sounded game. like you said, and I think a lot of listeners probably heard it and thought, oh, that makes sense. I don't, you know, I just want to be very clear. Winning eight games in a row, you don't have a better chance to lose your ninth. If anything, I think you have a better chance to win because momentum, everyone's excited and they're staying focused. I agree, but it becomes harder to cover because the public notices that. I agree RJ. with that, too. And, and on the look-ahead line, Carolina was laying two and a half. Now they're catching two and a half. Why? Because of that spread winning streak. And let's define the look-ahead line. That was a week ago. So the only thing that's happened in that interim period between Carolina being favored by two and a half and now being a two and a half point underdog is Carolina played a game, didn't look great. Minnesota played a game, looked really good. Just because of those two games, the Lions move five points. Value Carolina. Yes, overreaction. Rapid fire in about 90 seconds, and then we'll get to our crossfire game. Lions are three. The number is out at the Buccaneers. Stafford is expected to play. So what do we do with this game now? Because it's Stafford playing, and yeah, he's much better than Jake Rudock. But what kind of Stafford are we getting? It's a key question. By the way, real quick, Chris Hogan will play against the Dolphins. Came out three hours ago, it looks like. Um, and I know that it was expected. Okay, so what? And, and, and one person speculated on that real quick that that might make the Patriots want to throw a lot more and kind of spread out the field a little bit. I think it was Cosell on the herd said that. Greg, um, I'm not sure about that, but that is a concern for me. What I'll say about Stafford, last year he hurt his hand there was such a run the year prior all the way through the end of last season so 15 all the way through the end of 16 Stafford since Jim Bob Cooter started in the middle of 15 as OC Stafford had this amazing touchdown to interception run when he hurt his hand he had like three we heard it in the middle of a game he had like three other games at the end of the year he had a horrible uh, performance relative in those games relative to prior. So he feels like one of those quarterbacks that's a little bit fragile. I want no part of Detroit. Yeah, I like Tampa Bay. I see this as the ultimate free roll here by my power ratings. I think Tampa Bay is a good bet right now, plus three with a hundred percent Stafford. He's got the bad hand that you mentioned, and there's a lot of talk about. So you're saying if Stafford's a hundred percent, your line would be. Two and a half. I would still like Tampa Bay catching three. And what you're saying is, if Stafford ends up being 100%, you've got a coin flip or maybe a slight edge. And if he's hobbled like we think he's going to be, you've got a great bet. Yeah, and you mentioned hobbled. I love that. His ankle's banged up. He's got a hamstring issue. And there's a lot of talk. He cannot grip the ball like he wants to. He'll be prone to fumbles. I love it. Crossfire's on the way. We are going to scream and yell about two teams with six combined wins. But that's why there's a line. On these games. But someone's going to get paid. Absolutely. Whoever, whoever covers will get paid. Absol- absolutely. Uh, Ralph Irvin's got the latest as he uh, wants to get into the NHL and the Vegas Golden Knights. That's right. The Knights, 5-3 winners at Dallas today. Fourth straight win. Leaves them four points back of first place. L.A. Kings in the Western Conference Pacific Division. The Kings, 3-2 overtime winners over Carolina. L.A.'s won eight straight games. St. Louis leading in the Central, 6-1, they beat Detroit. They've won three straight. Tampa Bay's won four straight. They beat Winnipeg 4-3 in overtime. And Columbus, sitting on top of the Metropolitan Division, 
1-0, they beat Phoenix. Baker Mayfield, the runaway winner of the 83rd Heisman Trophy. That was awarded in New York City Saturday night. The first senior to win it since 20, 2006. It's also the first walk-on to win the award since that term was recognized back in 1950. Bryce Love finished second. Lamar Jackson third on the field Saturday. Army held on to beat Navy for the second consecutive year, 14-13. Black Knights of the Hudson also win the Commander-in-Chief's trophy. First time for that since 1996. In the NBA, Russell Westbrook with a triple-double and the game-winning free throws. Oklahoma City won in Memphis, 102-101. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. New or used, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. The Cavaliers bounce back after having their 13-game win streak snapped on Friday. They beat Philadelphia 105-98 and James Harden, 48 points. Chris Paul at 26. Houston won their ninth straight. 124-117. Gentlemen, back to you with Crossfire. Coming up here in just a second, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part? Figuring out which way is easier. It's Steve Cofield, R.J. Bell. Fezzik is in the wise guy's chair, and I hope head he, to head, baby. I hope he stands up to you in this crossfire. Uh, super important game. Hey, like you said, someone's getting paid here. We've got the Niners getting two and a half at the Texans. All right, so I'm going to make this one simple, and two and a half is the key here. Home field advantage in the NFL is three typically. Houston is at least three. Let's call it three because they're not winning, so it's not going to be more. And that's a key factor to remember, guys, is home field advantage has ranges, and it's usually driven those ranges, the high or the low end, how well the team is playing. The Saints are a great example. When they're playing well, their home field goes way up, right? So let's call this three, though. So if the line's two and a half, that means... The San Francisco 49ers are better than the Houston Texans. Now, that makes no sense to me. Now, I get the Jimmy G love, and I'm not going to cast aspersions. As Seinfeld said, there's nothing wrong with it. But I think Fez has a little man crush on Jimmy G. I think at one point he was saying the most handsome quarterback in the history of the NFL, right? Was it, you were saying a variation of that? Well, you know what? If I got to pick someone to have a crush on, I think he's an excellent Exactly. Choice. See, yes. look at him kind of backing into it. All right. So I'm not going to fall for that, right? The jawline doesn't get me necessarily. <laughs> is What I'm going to say is if you look at football outsiders, they grade every quarterback, every game. Last week, Jimmy G was the 16th best quarterback in the NFL. That's average. So... I think the energy he adds to the 49ers, because when you get to the last quarter of the season and teams that aren't in the playoff hunt, you've got to handicap motivation. I think it's probably worth a couple of points even. But this idea that Jimmy G is some big upgrade on the field may be relative to the horrible, you know, uh, Bathurst that they had before, but I don't think he's as good as he's going to be next year because this is such a complex offense. Even Matt Ryan struggled with Shanahan's offense his first full season at Atlanta didn't really pick up till year two now a guy gets traded midseason and he's got it all figured out no 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 Houston plays hard uh, under O'Brien and to me the fact that I have to be just even with the 49ers to be happy laying two and a half at home means I like the Houston Texans well I had Jimmy G rated a whole lot 
better than 16th. But you know what? I'm not going to argue with football outsiders. They're much better at that sort of evaluation. But I'll agree with you. The post game, the quotes from all the players. Wow, it's great to have confidence in our quarterback. All the players are bringing that extra energy. Speaking of energy, the San Francisco defense last week. I've never seen this before, RJ. 37 plays against the Chicago Bears. That's all they had to face. Half a game, basically. So I get a defense that's bringing energy, an offense that's bringing energy with a new quarterback. Let's go over to Tom Savage. You talk about number 16. I'm going to talk about number 32. I'm going to keep it simple. Six games with Tom Savage. Five of the six, the Houston Texans have scored 16 or fewer points. In all six, their defense, crippled with injuries, has given up 20-plus. How are you going to cover lane two and a half when you always give up more than 20 and you can only score 16? Well, Savage had his best game 365 yards last week. And remember, this will be my closing point. And I'll be candid with you is as time has gone on, I am not as excited about Houston. Uh-oh. So I still No, no, no. I'm Are you saying, leaking oil a little bit. No, no, no. I okay. think I think Steve's got some good points, yeah. right? And that's why it's listen, a little advice out there. If you're losing, <laughs> stop the game, right? Why keep playing? Stop. Throw the towel. Right? So Fez, I get you, but I, I just believe in this Texans team, and here's why. What was the Texans? Over under win total entering the season. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Okay. Now, who was supposed to quarterback for him? Mr. Savage. Okay. And what's changed? A couple of injuries on defense. Six I starters. That, right? What? Six starters? Are we really saying right now there's six starters out on defense relative to when? Like, what? You're throwing that number out relative to when? To week one. To week one. So uh, there's six starters out for the full season? Yeah, I mean, we started with J.J. Watt and just... Well, I know J.J. Watt, that's one. Well, it's their most important, Cushing. Well, Cushing came back. All right, fair enough. I mean, he's just throwing these numbers out. But their defense is way, way down this year. Well, but again, we had all these expectations. This is the same team. And just because we changed expectations when Watson went in, I think we're all looking at these Texans in such a negative way. By the way, obviously they should have covered last week. So to some degree, I'm, I don't love it. I, I'm not making a huge bet on it, but I certainly lean Houston. So this guy, Fezzik, loves Jimmy G. But oh not God. like he loves Josh McCown. Watch this. Jets are one at the Broncos. Go ahead. Josh McCown. Love Fest. I've got McCown as one of the top five most important (laughs) players in the NFL. And the reason really is that there's his level of play has ascended to a new level. When you watch him, it's incredible. It's like a totally different guy. I love it. How, having said that, imagine if, <laughs> imagine if he had the jawline of Jimmy G. How much passion we'd be hearing right now. He's got some nice blonde hair. How are eight years old? You, let's talk about Denver, though. Denver <laughs> is due. If ever there's a team that's due, it's Denver, right, Uh-oh. RJ? You're joking, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could tell. Here's what I'll say about Denver, and this is pretty amazing, is most people know they've lost eight straight games. They've lost eight straight against the spread also, right? But... Against the spread, and by definition, that's expectation, the spread, they've lost by 122 points against the spread in those eight games. So by over two touchdowns a game for a half of an NFL season, they've fallen short. That said, I don't like the Jets here because I think finally, and I'm passing meaning, because I think finally the market has caught up to this. It's almost hard to imagine caught up to Denver and how bad they are. Denver was favored last week in Miami. 
a team that had lost seven straight games, was a road favorite. Now that same team is a home underdog against the Jets. So just mathematically, that's a seven-point swing. Now compare Miami to the Jets. There's no way that the Jets are seven points better in Miami. So this has been a drastic reaction, but I think it's probably warranted because I think Denver was overrated last week. Yeah, and I'm passing the game as well. And the Jets are have done their best work at home, not on the road, not to be trusted as a road favorite here. Bengal. I was going to say even McCown. Even McCown. <laughs> Show some restraint. Uh, Bengals six and a half against the Bears. Same handicap as the Steeler game. Everyone is saying, wow, since he must really, really be um, uh, beat up, they're not going to have energy for this game because it was a war on Monday night. Colin actually on his Blazing Five. And check this out, guys. This is amazing. This is actually stunning. When the wise guys, so every week Colin does his Blazing Five. Right? That's fine. It's fine. But then on Saturday, my wise guys, Fez leading the way, helping behind the counter also. We get perspective. I agree or disagree. On the games that we've agreed this year, 74% winners. 29 and 9. You said we can't even hit 56%. Well, it's true. Again, it's an aberration. <laughs> but imagine that 29 and 9. I'm not going to give the games, but we actually disagreed on three this week and agreed on two. You can check that out on my Twitter at RJ in Vegas or um, the herd or Collins Twitter. They tweet that out Saturday and Sunday morning. But pretty amazing 74%. 29 and 9. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing that he didn't enter the Westgate Super Contest. Yeah, we'd be, be right be there, right? It. Him and I part. I'd be awesome. The uh, to win that baby, uh, you know, you did it twice. But so to me, you look at the Bears and you say, "Wait a minute, this is a team last week that had like 150 yards of offense, literally." And the idea of Cincinnati, who net yards per play is number 13 in the NFL, is somehow only a field goal or so better than them. I think unless you believe Cincy's going to completely lay an egg off Monday night, there's value, Cincy. Yeah, I bet Cincy, I think you nailed it. That was the most misleading final you're going to see in a long time where a team loses 14-15 to and they get blown out in that game, losing by one point. Frankly, I'm very worried about John Fox having lost the locker room. He's a lame duck for the Bears. We've... And by the way, he's hinting that San Francisco's better than they look because San Fran's a team that dominated the stats against the Bears. <laughs> We've got updates on both the Raiders and the Chiefs and their key matchup for first place. And best bets are on the way. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! It's straight out of Vegas. Here in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Steve Cofield, RJ Bell, Fezzik. Is in the wise guy's chair. I like to call this best bets down the home stretch. First, battle for first place in the AFC West. Who'd have thunk it, right? Raiders plus four against the Chiefs. Questionable now on Amari Cooper. He may be back. Remember, the last time they played, Cooper went for 200 plus. Chiefs on the other side. Marcus Peters, we find out it wasn't just the flag chucked into the crowd at the Jets game that got him suspended, but a uh, verbal tiff with one of the assistant coaches. So you wonder if the Chiefs are having a little trouble. A uh, little trouble. In the locker room. Well, I know they've been having trouble on the field. Big change last week, though. Last week, the Andy Reid gave up play calling duties, gave it to the OC, 
and they had an amazing offensive game against the Jets, first time since the Steeler game that they played so well in offense. It could be an aberration, it could be a fluke, or it could be that change in play callers is a driver. What we know is the Kansas City defense is not any good. We know the Raiders' defense isn't any good. And we know the Raiders' offense is good. So you've got to decide. Do you think Kansas City is as good as their offense was last week? If so, bet the over. If you think Kansas City's offense last week was a fluke and they're as bad as they've been the last seven or eight weeks, then I think bet the Raiders. Yeah, I bet the over. I think the Kansas City offense, I mean, when do you ever see this, RJ? They gained over 10 yards per play and lost to the Jets. Clearly, their defense is absolutely struggling, but Tyreek Hill has his mojo back, their speedster, and look at the Oakland defense. This is my key handicap, why I like the over. The last two quarterbacks they faced, Paxton Lynch and Geno Smith. The defense is terrible for the Raiders, but it looks like they're improving. No, it's those two quarterbacks. Best bet time from Fezzik, Philadelphia. It's now a pick against the Rams. And when Fez bets, and all all of our best bets, we bet them. But when Fez bets, you know he really takes off the rubber band. What are you doing? Why this guy don't carry his money in a wallet? Hey, why this guy carries money in a roll? And we're rolling with Philadelphia. I'd get down now at the pick em. I played plus two and plus one half myself, but it's fine to play pick. I think they're going to close at minus two. This is a complete overreaction. So you expect you're projecting Philadelphia closes as a two-point favorite in this game. Yes, I think all the money is going to be on Philly. I think this has been an overreaction early to the one bad game that they played in Seattle. They didn't even play that bad. They actually won the stats. They outgained Seattle, but the final score says they got blown out. And because of that, this line flipped from Philly being a three-point favorite to being an underdog initially now pick. And the three-point favorite was the look-ahead line last week. All we saw was Philly losing and the Rams winning on the road easily, and we saw it go to two-and-a-half Rams. Yes, and I love the situational spot here. So the Eagles stayed on the West Coast. They went down to Costa Mesa in Orange County. They've been practicing there all week, a fully focused week of no travel, whereas the Rams here are distracted by the, the, the local fires. Very, very key. And also, RJ, you uncovered a great, um, nugget on this game, home field advantage, what will it be in this game? Well, I think in general the Rams is less than average, and then Philly travels so well with their fans. I think that, and there has been reports that McVay is practicing uh, silent counts yeah. for a home game. So I think Eagles are going to be well represented. Yeah, so I got the better team, no home field advantage, I'm betting it. All right, best bet from Fezzik on the Eagles. I agree with them there. My best bet the Arizona Cardinals, they're playing Tennessee. We're getting three here. Tennessee, most overrated team in the NFL. In the AFC playoff seedings, they're number three. But by the advanced metrics, the Titans are about number 21 in the NFL. Eight and four record, but the Titans have been outscored by 16 points this season. That means they're a below average team. What does Tennessee do well, admittingly, is run the ball. Well, Arizona has the fourth best rush defense in the NFL. So we also have an edge with matchups. And lastly, we know Arizona's playing hard, but here's the cherry on top. Cardinals, since they opened their new stadium in 2006 as a home underdog, 65% against the spread, 24 and 13. Arizona, best bet. I'm with you on Arizona. We have a double like. All right. 15-second pick. Redskins, 
getting five and a half, six against the Chargers. I actually like the Chargers here. I think it's all about energy. I think the Skins have had a tough season. Last week was the dream crusher, and I don't think they have much to play for. I think the Chargers see the playoffs in their sights. This is the week the Browns win? No, I wouldn't bet it, but I do like them plus three and a half, but they're not getting any of my money the rest of the year. Guaranteed. Jonas Knox is on the way. Make sure you check out pregame.com and the Dream Previews. We'll see you next week straight out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.